today I'll be interviewing Rajiv Menon, CEO and founder of Informulate. Listen in to hear about why you should have a win book and how to gamify your time tracking to take it to the next level. Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. Hey listeners, looking forward to today's interview with Rajiv Menon. He is the CEO and founder of Informulate, working with uh, leading organizations across the country. He is the uh, executive board a member of the OEP, and he runs a lot of different uh, programs for tech accelerators, such as Startup Weekend, as a mentor, as an advisor, um, and just all-around stand-up guy. Uh, Rajiv, love to, you know, kind of dive into your background today. How did you uh, get to be involved in these things and decide that, you know, this was the career path for you? Hey, Jacques, thanks so much for having me. And uh, uh, it's a pleasure and honor to share some of these things with your audience. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, current, uh, you know, things that I'm involved in is actually uh, is quite a list. We, I, I, I have been leading in Formulate now for 15, 16 years. Uh, we do innovation consulting and software development. Uh, I consult with companies large and small. Uh, top five international university based in California. We have some, uh, we just added Guidewell as a client, uh, which is Florida Blue's parent company. Uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, some smaller startups, innovative startups as well that we consult with. But I also do a quite a bit, as you know, in the community with Startup Week in Orlando. Uh, Orlando Tech Council is uh, something that I'm chairing this year and uh, involved in quite a few initiatives around uh, innovation methodology, such as uh, hypervalidation, which is a program that you and I are going to launch at some point. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it should be fantastic. Uh, and also uh, Lean Startup Orlando, which is a meetup around uh, innovation methodology. That's all the stuff that I'm involved in and, of course, mentor at some accelerators, as you mentioned. Um, Seems like every time I give your intro, I, I drop. I can't. I can't remember anything. I'm always dropping a few things off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because I add a few things every time we talk. Uh, it's. I don't know if it's a good habit or not, but hey, it works for me. So uh, you know, you kind of have to work with what works for you, I guess. Uh, it keeps me. Uh, keeps me. Uh, I guess uh, doing new things and giving me energy, and there's a feedback loop of energy from doing new things, right? As long as it doesn't take away from your, uh, distract you too much from your core focus, uh, I think that's a good thing. That's actually always been my philosophy is like you have to have one primary focus and you have to have something secondary, uh, that kind of, uh, allows you to flex different muscles because, uh, overuse of one muscle is just like you, you fatigue on that muscle and then you lose energy is my belief. And that's part of why I like to keep other muscles active in different regions and, because you can't always be creative, right? On your day job, sometimes you just have to produce and you get, only get a ch chance to be creative. So That, that you know. makes a lot of sense. I mean, what? Uh, how did you even get started down this path? I mean, at some point, you uh, you know, you know, you graduated college and said, okay, I'm ready to, to kind of get into the real world. But it sort of seems like it snowballed into a lot of these different branching opportunities. I'm just kind of curious, you know, yeah, how that happened. Yeah, I usually, uh, I usually allow opportunity, uh, allow, allow myself to, uh, really explore opportunities much deeper, right? I usually don't reject anything that comes to me. I make sure that I give it a fair shake and, uh, see if it really is something that I can learn from. 
So I guess if you were to back it up, um, there's hope for all of us because as a kid, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with my life and it was completely clueless. Uh, and I was even, even when I did my bachelor's, like my dad picked mechanical engineering for me and I was just doing it kind of like a, uh, uh, like a robot. I just went through <laughs> and fixed it, but I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really feel passionate about it. Uh, I just kind of did it. And. Uh, after that, I worked with my dad for a few years, again, as a robot. I didn't really feel passionate or engaged with that either. It was a very confusing time for me right up until my mid-20s. Uh, and then when I came to the U.S. in 99 uh, to do my master's uh, is when I really started feeling a sense of agency of where I could lead my own life. Uh, and part of that was because there were all these opportunities presented to me that I'd never seen before, right? Because I was kind of leading a kind of insulated life in India and I was kind of following my dad's footsteps and kind of doing what he told me to do. When I came here, like I had the opportunity to lead things and uh, I really loved getting into the community and I started a group uh, called Cognition from Con Confusion, which was a science and philosophy club at college. We had some really good conversations and got deep into that. Uh, I was invited to join the Microsoft.net users group which I contributed quite a bit in. I made a uh, open source app called the Quizzard, which is a buzzard, a vulture, that asks you questions uh, around .NET, Microsoft, uh, you know, technology. I didn't know that. That's a new thing I learned <laughs> about you today. <laughs> it was it was one of the top. Uh, it was the top download for multiple years on Microsoft, wow. and it was it was very it was very cheesy. It was so uh, you know it was so lowbrow. And I don't know why it was there for the download for that long, but it lasted for a bit. And that got me, uh, like, uh, we ended up taking it on the road and presenting at other cities and all of that stuff. And I, you know, got into, uh, it was called a Microsoft Influential and got some free tickets to TechEd and all of that stuff. So I've always had an interest in doing something different. So I would always like, you know, you had to do your day job, which is getting good grades and all that. But I always wanted to get involved in the community, contribute and other things, get more experiences. So I guess I'm a, definitely an adrenaline junkie from that perspective. Like I want to do something that I haven't done before all the time. So, you know, I checked all the boxes in terms of, you know, jumping from airplanes, bungee jumping, you know, uh, picked up ice skating two years ago. And uh, Despite the fact that my first experience of ice skating 20 years ago was when I stepped on my own hand and cut myself a really deep gash and I was bleeding all over the ice skating rink. I came back to it 20 years later. So... Yeah, I mean that's just uh, that's just how I work, and uh, I guess that's enough of an origin story for you. <laughs> I think I think they made a movie out of that where you just say yes to everything and you have to do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> there is something like that, right? Uh, how, that's, that, that is, yeah. how do you? Um, so okay, so so obviously you 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 have a vision for like where you would like to take your life, but also you allow for some sounds like flexibility to say yes to all these opportunities that may be. Um, adjacent, right, to that vision or, or seems like it would get you there or, or help you lead the life that you want to lead. lead. Right. Um, but how, you know, th that's a lot of different activities that you have to coordinate. Um, you know, there, there are obviously some things that you have to say no to. So how do you, you know, keep yourself uh, from being distracted with uh, all of the things that you could do that you could say yes to uh, and sort of and, and still have a schedule that you can adhere to? Yeah, and I think I gave you kind of the um, the scattershot version of that. So where the focus comes in is is a different point. The other piece is that um, 
I really didn't have uh, that much of vision for myself in my prior to my mid twenties. But then after I got into actually working and being in a in an organization, and I was challenged with all of these uh, things, right? You want to have something delivered at a certain time, and you know we, this is going to be responsible for doing like ten million transactions. You better make sure it works properly. You know those kinds of stimuli really helped me to focus and say like, yeah, I can't just dabble with stuff that has that much impact. And so when I started working on software and doing building things and that were responsible for financial transaction and health transactions and all of that stuff is when I really realized that, yeah, I, you know, you can't be distracted when you're focusing and you have some important things like that to do. And then from there, I kind of build a lot, built a lot of my own processes. So one of my earliest learnings in that period was mood management, which I still think is something that needs to be talked about more. It's not so much about time management as it is about mood management. Because uh, as a lot of people, I mean, a lot of productivity hacks revolve around how are you maximizing your most productive time, right? But what is your most productive time? The most productive time is when you're in the mood to be productive. So if you can change your mood and you can create multiple slots of productivity during the day, then you just increase your day basically. So if you are just going to limit yourself to the only couple of hours in the morning and then the rest of the day you're just kind of robot style going through stuff and you can't be creative and you can't be uh, forward thinking and long-term thinking during the rest of the day, then certain jobs won't be open to you, right? So especially if you're going to be in a leadership position. So as a leader, you have to be finding ways to increase your productivity and output, total output. And one of the ways for me was really thinking about mood management. So back in the day, I made a mood journal and I listed kind of mood modifiers and mood identifiers. Like how do you know what kind of mood you're in? And then how do you get yourself out of that mood and change your mood to uh, do other things when, uh, you know, when you identify that you're not where you want to be? So that was a big thing. And then as I went through that, I started really, uh, I've always been good at kind of planning and systems thinking. So that's just been something that comes naturally to me is, you know, doing the math on scope and budget and timeline, that kind of stuff has always come naturally to me. So I always know like how much time I have left and how I can accomplish it and what's the shortest path. And if plan A doesn't work, you know, go to plan B and cut the lower, less important stuff out and keep going forward. I like in so a way kind of, you're, you're treating the, the human as the machine, but not the, physical body, the mind, right? And then understanding, like, keeping it op operating at, um, you know, efficiency isn't just a matter of uh, knowing when the machine is running well, but actually being able to uh, manipulate that. So that sounds like what that mood, mood journal was able to do for you is, is to, to, to be able to give you that control, that lever um, on that performance, which is, uh, is a really intriguing way to look at it. Because I do think that many people out there have this fascination with with uh you know motivational thinking like what's what's a video i can watch that's going to inspire me to work or like you know put something on their wall and, and those are i mean those aren't necessarily bad things but if you only work when you're feeling uh inspired but you have no sort of control over when that happens i can imagine that uh, that's not going to be a very productive experience so uh, i think that that's an uh, an awesome way to you know approach that productivity yeah, I think initially it was more about discovering that, you know, my mood does change quite a bit. And uh, 
often I wouldn't say that I solved it 20 years ago. I mean, it's kind of been a journey. And right now, I'm I rely more on positive visualizations to get out of a certain mood because uh, I guess when I started, what I did was I created a mood journal and also created like my it was kind of corny, but it was like a a win book or a success book where I listed things where you know uh, I had knocked it out of the park in this particular situation, and I would write them down. So that when I run into a situation where something bad happened and it sucked the energy out of my current mood, then I would go back to this win journal to remind myself, hey, look, this is what I'm capable of. If I can get back to that mood, then I can be uh, I can be hitting home runs again. So part of it was just to get myself back on the horse when, uh, when you have those down days. That's great. That's great. I, I, I love that idea of a win, a win journal. Um, so that's one I'll, I'll definitely put a pin in that and keep that one for myself as well. But I'd love to maybe just dive into your day to day. You know, you still have 24 hours in a day. What does your sort of schedule look like? What kinds of activities are you doing? Yeah, I think, uh, if I may stay on the high level for just a minute more, cause it'll make, it'll connect to some of the stuff I'm doing right now. Uh, there's two other concepts that I put, I kind of put in front of my, you know, in terms of how I process things. One I call the big easy, and uh, one is kind of the levels of operation or levels of uh, cognition, I, I would say. Uh, so the big easy is basically reminding yourself how blessed you are. I mean, for all of us in the developed world and who aren't dealing with life-threatening challenges, life really, I mean, you could kind of flip everything on its head and instead of thinking about life as this, hard, difficult thing that you're struggling through every day and making uh, all of these difficult things happen, you could think about it as a reverse. Like, yeah, it's super easy. Everything's super easy. You're just getting in your own way. If you just take that mental clutter out, then you spend your time, you know, you do break your time and do the things that you're supposed to do at the right time, then everything just falls into place. And so just giving yourself that option that life could be super easy. Maybe you just need to... Uh, change your filter on your lens, right? And uh, that has a way of kind of, even in dark situations, just like, nope, I'm overthinking this. Just let's make it the big easy. Let's put the easy filter on it. What what happens with my life when I put the easy filter on? So that's one kind of change in perspective thing that I use sometimes, especially when you're, you know, facing something difficult or you, you, you feel like you're stuck or you feel like, you know, I don't know how to go beyond this. Put the easy filter on, see what it does for you. But you really got to commit to it, right? You can't just, <laughs> you got to commit to that belief there. Okay, so the other thing is, uh, I've had this concept, I don't know, for 25 years plus, and I haven't really heard it echoed anywhere else. I'm probably going to write this up at some point. Is uh, the four le- uh, I started with four levels and I added a fifth level. And they're basically states of being where, you know, at the bottom of the, uh, at the middle of the states, let's start with that, consumption and production are the kind of middle two states, right? So you're either producing something and you're doing something and you're providing some value, creating some value, or you're consuming. Your consumption activity could be, you know, just you could be doing some things that are good or you could be doing some things that are bad. Like, you know, you could be consuming alcohol or you could just be over consuming food. Even if you're not over consuming, you're consuming, right? So that state of how much time in your day do you spend doing consumptive activity and productive activity is something that you should be aware of. And uh, consumption, there are multiple layers in that. Like like I said, there could be overconsumption, there could be addictions, other things like that. But even if you're doing consumption that you think is okay, 
kind of limiting the time for that because if you read the happiness hypothesis, which is one of my favorite books of all time, in terms of really uncovering what's in how your brain works, your mind is a momentum engine. Whatever you're doing is what you tend to keep doing. And so uh, if you're consuming a lot, then you'll tend to keep consuming. So the less time you spend on consuming, the better it is for you to be able to do other stuff. Now, if you go down from that, so if your consumption activity gets so high that it becomes addiction, and then you keep doing that consumption for a long time, then you're going to get into destructive activity. So that's the bottom of the stack is where you start to disengage. You get isolated, you disengage, you're doing so much consumption, you're doing it on your own, and then you disengage from the world and there's nothing tethering you there and you feel like everything is crap, you know, the world doesn't work for me, the system doesn't work for me, whatever it is, these people are bad, whatever, and you tend to go into this negative cycle. So too much consumption can take you down a negative cycle where it will lead you to destructive activity. So that's just my theory, right? Nobody ever wrote this up. But on the productive side, if you're on a positive cycle, the next step up is actually doing creative and self-expressive things. So you're not just writing code, but you're starting to do self-expressive things. You're doing a podcast or you're doing some other creative thing. You're writing a poem, you're making a song. Uh, you're doing something that is actually expressing something that's coming from you, right? Uh, speaking activities, whatever. And so those are creative things where you feel a sense of fulfillment, like kind of from Maslow's thing of self, self-actualization, self right? That's the next step up is when you, you get into the positive cycle of productivity and then you use that energy to push you further up into creativity. And then finally, to transformation. So that's the fifth level, which is the highest level, which I feel where you're rewriting your own code. And that's where you're, you have so much confidence and you're so self-actualized that you realize that, hey, I used to have skills in X, but if I wanted to, I can get skills in Y and I can pick up those skills anytime I want and I can transform how I think about a certain situation or I no longer see myself as a nerd. I am now going to be a workout guy. I'm going to get physically buff, right? And that's it. I decide to do that one day and I'm going to spend some, reallocate some time and I'm going to get that for myself or whatever, right? I mean, you don't have to be tied to any self-image once you get to that level where you can transform yourself. And so that's um, that's my hierarchy of how I see things happening and that plays into how I choose my decisions on where I'm going. Because I feel like as long as you're doing productive activity, you can t- use that energy to do other things. And you're, as long as you're doing productive and creative things, uh, they feed off of each other. And I don't think it's a distraction as much. But if you go into consumptive activity, and I notice this with myself all the time, like, hey, I think I'll watch Netflix for a half hour while I have lunch right or dinner and uh before you know it you've gone past half hour you've you've got other stuff you know you've gone for an hour and a half or whatever finished the whole movie instead of just a little bit of it and now you're like you don't have the energy to pick up and do other stuff anymore because you're kind of in that loop and it's you know you lost that energy that you had so one thing i've started doing is taking afternoon naps because i like to give myself two starts in the day and i Mm. and i like wake up from my 20 minute nap in the afternoon because that's usually a low energy time and I uh, have uh, uh, a tea and everything in the morning, just like I do in the morning. So kind of pretend like it's a new start for the day and actually gives me uh, that high productive time back again. So I get a second slot in the afternoon. And then sometimes if I haven't watched Netflix, then I'll give myself a third start uh, after the kids are in bed at 9.30. So that way I get three kind of high productive, uh, high cognitive uh, slots. And I think for me, music works a lot as well in terms of when I 
you know, lock myself in and I'm really focused. So that's and your secret. It. You actually have three times more days than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but so, yeah, usually two at a minimum, sometimes three. I usually work a night shift, like I call it like 9.30 to 11 kind of thing uh, for 90 minutes. And that, that tends to be pretty productive for me as well. Do you find um, that, uh, how do you get that third one in? I mean, I always find when I try to, uh, you know, attempt that night shift that I just can't quite get the, uh, I don't know, the energy. How do you sort of uh, keep keep that third cycle in place? I, I just find a lot of, you know, personal difficulty uh, getting getting that one started. Yeah, uh, so there's a concept I like to call thought life. Uh, which is, again, based on the momentum theory, right? So if you spend time thinking about something, uh, and the more time you spend thinking about that, that's what you're going to be drawn towards. So if you are thinking about my next distraction, like when do I get to watch Netflix? When do I get to do X or whatever it is, right? That's your uh, that's your background process, running and eating up more and more of your RAM, right? And eventually that momentum is going to build enough where you move, gravitate towards that. So the idea is that uh, kind of reset what you think is possible, right? Again, um, like the big easy kind of thing, right? You just have to imagine that, hey, no, this is fun. Like, I really want to do this. I mean, you got to reframe the conversation to be where you're not looking for the distraction anymore. You're kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I have this great opportunity in front of me with work. I could knock it out of the park. There's going to be all this success. And use your thought life as you, even when you're not doing that, right? When you're in between tasks or you're kind of juggling things or whatever, you keep thinking about it and then it'll draw you to that. And I notice this myself when I try to, when I run and I jog, right? Sometimes I'm like, I start the jog and like five minutes later, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I can do another two miles or three miles. Like I didn't even finish my first mile and I'm already like tired and sweating. So, uh, and it's funny because sometimes I'm like mentally, I'll just set myself the target of four miles or whatever. And uh, it's when I get to that turn where I'm going, you know, when I'm jogging in my loop and I'm like turn where I could either continue going or I could stop. And when I've set that target internally, I don't even realize I passed the turn. So it's the same, I think, with our work. Like uh, if you're the background processing of your brain is like already decided that it's going to do something your body just follows and you don't even realize that you're doing it. You just, you just do it. But when you have this internal struggle between, oh, it's too much, it's, should I think, you know, there's another hack that I kind of have a mental visualization here, which I call the real Rajiv, right? <laughs> the real me. Like the real me is much stronger, much, you know, braver, much smarter, than what I let it be because I'm always getting in its way and I'm kind of nagging it with different unnecessary fears and I'm giving it FOMO with, oh, if you don't watch it now, you're probably going to get off Netflix and you're not going to get the chance to see this stupid show again. So why don't we watch it now, right? And all that kind of FOMO stuff is what you got to cut out and you got to let real you come out and express itself because that's where I think a lot of the fulfillment comes from is when you do something that's uniquely you. Consuming a Netflix show is not expressing yourself, you know, uh, getting on social media is not, you know, unless you're a creator of content, you're not expressing yourself. You're just kind of consuming a bunch of content going on the infinite scroll, which is just consuming other people's content. And so uh, the less you do of that, the better. I mean, sure, you want to do a little bit, but I think 
once you get into that consumptive loop, especially towards the end of the day, if you want to break that consumptive loop, make that consumption period tiny, like as small as you can. Eat your food in 15, 20 minutes and listen to Audible while you do it. That's kind of what I do in the evenings. If I want to go back to work, then I will make sure I don't watch uh, any content, like no YouTube, no visual content that is like completely different. Like I'll keep something that's kind of relevant to productivity, listening, and then that will kind of draw me back to work. I really like that this works on so many different levels, right? It's tactical, right? Keeping that flow going, uh, but it's also very strategic, uh, such as, you know, you're staging the next task, but you're not just staging any task. You're really thinking through, um, you know, what is the right next task to be able to do? And then you just go into it rather than having thinking of your day uh, as a bunch of starts and stops as really just a flow of, you know, important thing into the next most important thing. So I, I really like that. I can see how that would be very powerful. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. And the uh, other thing I do is uh, recently I started uh, a full kind of uh, measurement of everything that I do. So I keep a time tracker of my whole day, like except for my sleeping time and, uh, you know, eating and all that. Uh, everything that I do with respect to personal reading, self-improvement, family time, workout and health, and of course, all of my work time, I'm tracking in, in a timesheet now. And I have my assistant kind of helping me categorize all of this stuff and give me points. And out of the week, you know, effectively you have like uh, 12 times 7 is 84 hours, right? Uh, so my score should be in the 80s of making sure I use at least half of my day uh, in doing things that are intentional uh, and not doing things that are unintentional. So just being intentional about how you use that time. It could be for whatever you want. Like I could go on vacation or whatever, but I, and I, one day I could choose to focus on my wife's birthday and that whole week is kind of all my extra time apart from work is focused on making that experience good for her, which is fine. It's as long as it's intentional. And so that's one tracking thing that I do. And then the gamification that occurs as a result of it is like, I try to beat my previous score and all of that. So that's, that's where I am now is I, I have that gamification thing going on. And then from the mood management perspective, I've created a knowledge base for myself which has all kinds of different situations which I might encounter and how to recover from those negative situations quickly so I can go back to work uh, is, is another thing that I have. So those two kind of work together, the time tracking and, uh, you know, gamification tied with reacting to a situation that sucks away your energy and bringing back your energy as quickly as possible so your mood is back to where it was. And the way I do that is through visualizations and it's kind of like self-meditative visualizations where I'll be like, hey, you know, Here's the start of the day visualization to see how your day is going to play out. And then I play that to myself, which is my own voice talking to me to, you know, close out all the windows, do this, do this, and then get in that mood where I'm going to be uh, kicking off my day. I, I love those tips. And by the way, it reminds me of our mutual friend, uh, Sneer Madani. She has this concept of the buckets that you visualize that these are the important buckets that you want to have, whether it's family, work, or whatever your aspirations are, and you sort of fill them up um, evenly, right? And nothing else uh, should should uh, take up time, but those, you know, make sure your buckets are always full every single day. But I like how you've gone that extra step and really codified it where there's a, a score that tells you, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, how, how did you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a process. And it might seem like a lot to some people, but I've got it down to where, you know, um, every month or two, I'll kind of do a zoom out to see where I am and I'll create new content just because the old content gets boring to listen to again. 
So I might do a little bit of that. It's called, I call it like knowledge management pruning. You know, I'll put some new content in there. Uh, but the other thing is I have an assistant, which, you know, is a nice luxury because uh, she keeps me accountable with this stuff. She does the back end, counting all the points and giving me my score and all of that stuff. So I just need to put in my time and, uh, and then yeah, I have the external accountability actually, that was huge. I mean, I, I had built that in. So I've had an assistant between assistants. I've had assistants for about four and a half, five years. So I created these processes as a means of, you know, having external accountability because I felt like I wasn't holding myself accountable as much. But now when I have to justify, Hey, I spent last week, I did this. And why did I do that? What tasks were on my plate? And so my assistant keeps me accountable with, hey, you had planned to do X and you did only this part of X. And then I have to figure out, you know, even though I don't, I'm not, she's not my boss, but just having that conversation reminds me not to be a hypocrite with my planning and all of that. Yeah, I can see how psychologically that would add that um, a commitment level to say that, you know, you're going to do something and it just makes it very clear, um, you know, rather than sweeping it under the rug and saying, okay, maybe I didn't quite, quite get to everything that, you know, I was supposed to do, but, um, almost, uh, you know, being, being called out on it in a, in a friendly way, um, is, is something that I can see would, would really, uh, you know, put, push things forward. Um, yeah. on the flip side too, Jacques, you know, sometimes you don't realize how much you're doing and, uh, you feel like you're not achieving much, but then because of the tracking and the accountability and you see that, okay, I didn't do this thing that I was supposed to do. But I did like 20 other things that weren't on my plate, but were really important things that I had to do. And so part of what eats into your self-esteem and your energy reservoir is when you're too hard on yourself and you're like, oh man, I hit this, had this on my target for three weeks and each week I failed to do it. But then when you go back and if you have the tracking, now you can show that you actually did so much other stuff. And so then you're feeling better about it because now you can plan better and know that you weren't just slacking off. You were actually productive, but it just uh, happened that this particular task got pushed off for three weeks, and that's okay. Because if you don't forgive yourself, you're going to eat into your self-esteem. And if you eat into your self-esteem, you're going to eat into your energy that you have to tackle new things in the future. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's an incredible amount of, uh, of, of things to digest here. And I love how, you know, we've, we've bounced back and forth between sort of tactical things, but also setting that foundation of that mental model and that framework to really how you, you know, approach what's, what's important in your life, because it really doesn't matter how um, clever you are at uh, squeezing things into your schedule. If they're, if they're not the right things and they're, um, you know, the, uh, the consumption activities, if you will, that uh, are sort of eating away at, at, um, you know, the vision and the life that you want to create for yourself. So this is fantastic. Um, you know, I'd love to, uh, if there's anything that uh, you'd like to share with the audience, I know, you mentioned a couple things um, that, uh, you know, I thought were amazing. I'd love to read, you know, those blog posts uh, when you get around to doing them and, and publishing those papers. Um, so is there, you know, if people want to catch up with you, how, how do they do that? Are there any projects that uh, you want to share that the audience might be interested in? Thanks for that. Yeah, uh, Jacques. So uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at Rajiv Manon in Formulate. Uh, I have a, have a blog as well. If you go to Informulate and click on the blog link, I do post things there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at R-A-J-T-V, Raj TV. 
Uh, and yeah, in terms of uh, things that I'm engaged in, uh, if you're in the Orlando area, we'd love to invite you to come over to the Lean Startup Orlando Meetup, which we meet once a month. Right now it's purely virtual, but eventually we'll do kind of blended uh, physical as well as virtual, uh, which is in the downtown Orlando area. Um, and, you know, if anybody is in the startup world, uh, I encourage you to apply to some of our great accelerators, Starter Studio, Venture Scale Up. A rally social enterprise accelerator uh, these are great things uh, great uh, ways to get your idea out there and yeah uh, those are all the things that I would encourage people to do uh, happy to engage with anyone uh, all the best to everybody who's trying to transform their lives awesome thank you Rajiv I had a great time today and learned, learned so many new things we have to do this again sometime absolutely thanks for the opportunity Josh. all the best take care yep yeah.